Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 66. So, Rook, Rachel asked a really interesting question in our Facebook group. So, she, first of all, she says she's been listening to us for almost a year now. So, our first thing I want to say to her is thank you. And she says she's been working on a lot of mindfulness and happiness. And then she goes on to say, I just took a three-month sabbatical and the difference it's made to my self-awareness, daily mindfulness and overall happiness is indescribable. I think it was the mental space created by such a massive change in routine that made everything I've been working on feel like it's finally coming together. Any advice for maintaining these positive changes, in particular the changes to my mental habits on my return to daily life and the stresses of work? So I really like Rachel's question because I know this has always been a big challenge for me because what I've found is when I make big changes post that, when things are going really well in life, it's very easy to maintain those positive mindsets and oh yeah, and maintain those changes I've made. But I do find that when the going gets tough and I get put under pressure, it's very, very difficult to not just immediately regress to you know <laughs> to what I know, which yep. is you know for me, my self sabotaging behavior is like let's get busy. <laughs> like you know, the more under pressure you are, the you know, the more stuff I tend to take on. So do you, have you kind of experienced the same? Yes, <laughs> I, <have. laughs> I, I definitely find the same thing. And I think it's it's you basically just nailed what I think it is. It's sort of two parts, or kind of a bit of column A and a bit of column B in terms of. Some of that is self-sabotage, like, hey, things are going really well. You should probably (laughs) do more or you should probably regress to these old behaviors. So there's self-sabotage. But the other thing is that I think sometimes when we we start to do these new things, we forget how well-worn those grooves of past habits can Mm. be and how much energy I guess and attention it takes us to steer into new like into a new path and how easy it is to then shift back to those well-worn grooves of habit when things get a little more complicated like for example going back to work after three months off yeah so it it definitely happens to me and I think for me it's it's usually those two things it's self-sabotage where I'm like let's just add all these things back into life and see how we go but the other part is yeah taking your eye off the the changes possibly because there's a lot of them or they're quite difficult or you know things happen that that remove an element of our willpower possibly yeah I think yeah definitely well it's funny I wrote a blog post oh, I might have even just been last week that where I said you know here's the reason why it's so hard to make good decisions when we're in our 30s and 40s and the reason that I posited was the fact that when we're in our 20s and we're carefree and unencumbered for the most part we can make these decisions that, you know, take more on, put ourselves under pressure. We can try all those things and we can just overextend ourselves at will because realistically the only person we're affecting is ourselves. Maybe we have a partner as well, but for the most part, we can drive ourselves into the ground and we're the only one that suffers. Mm. And so the, the problem is, is in our 20s, we're learning this behavior. So by the time we hit our 30s and 40s and we have families and we have careers and we have things that like we want to be doing, 
we're under we're under a lot of pressure especially time pressure and when you're under pressure what do you do you regress to those behaviors that you learned all the way through your 20s and probably your your teens as well and so I guess the first message I want to give to Rachel is like good on you for making those changes Uh, understand that if there's a regression that happens I don't want to say it's not your fault because I do want people to take personal responsibility for things that happen in their life. But at the same time, it it is going to happen and Mm. it's kind of not your fault because this is what you're fighting against. You're fighting against these things that you, yeah, as you said, like patterns and grooves that you have laid down over many, many years. And now you're trying to shift that, you know, groove over, you know, to a parallel path that's different and it's very hard not to get just sucked back into that yeah. easy, you know, because that's the other thing, like these yes. patterns and grooves, they're easy. Like yeah. it's easier to say yes to someone who's asking us to do something when we're under pressure than it is to say no because when we're tired and under pressure, we just can't be bothered going through the fallout of saying no or going through the difficult conversation of saying no. It's so much easier to say yes. That's right because when you're making changes to your habits, like every step of the way is like challenging in a way. You know, if, if you're making a change to the way that you're eating, for example, then every mealtime presents an an opportunity Mm. for you to shift back into what's easy and you're absolutely right like like, you know staying in bed rather than getting up and going for a walk staying in bed is easy you know (laughs) choosing the convenience food is easy saying yes because that's what the expectation is when someone asks you asks something of you that's easy it doesn't make it doesn't necessarily make the fallout easy you know the health or the busyness or the whatever but in the moment in the decision it is the easy path you yeah you're absolutely right and yeah. i think that's something that we maybe skip over when we're beating ourselves up about, about yes. not being able to stick to a new habit that's right and also the other thing is i read an interesting theory the other day that i kind of totally subscribe to is that everything in life is trying to bring us back to equilibrium so wherever equilibrium seems to be so whenever we make big changes or try to make big changes and it sounds like this change that Rachel's made is fairly significant you know she has been able to take a three-month sabbatical you know you kind of remove yourself from everyday life and you are able to lay down all these good new habits but when you go back to normal life like normal life is trying to pull you back to what it considers to be equilibrium and so it's like the bigger the change you've made the bigger the pull is going to be mm-hmm. to pull you back to kind yeah. of where you were. And so I think also having an awareness of that, I guess having an awareness of the forces that you've got to fight against. Like I think we all think we're just fighting willpower. Like yeah. I should have the willpower and the wherewithal to maintain these great things that I've done. Whereas the reality is we're not just fighting ourselves. We're, you know, we're fighting yeah, those patterns of behavior, we're fighting, you know, life's desire. And it's not just life, like the people around us, you know, bless them, kind of buy into that as well. They do also try to bring us back to where we were, not usually in a malicious way, but it's just more in a, oh, it's just you've gone too far away from where I'm yeah. used to you being. I need you to come 
back here now. Which is just patterns of behaviour again, isn't it? Again, yeah, Yeah. and that's just their patterns of behaviour. They're not being nasty or not liking you being happy. It's just like they just like this is how life normally is and I need to get life back to where it normally is. And the only way to get around that is is a great deal of self-awareness of of your own behaviour. So I think that's the key is like understanding that there will be some kind of regression and understanding that there's just no way you're going to be able to maintain changes if you take yourself out of life for a while and then come back into life it's asking too much of yourself to maintain those changes at the level that you made them yeah so yes i do yeah really really promote self-compassion in that regard (laughs) in that you have to be kind to yourself well exactly because you know you're, you're adding yourself back into a certain set of complications or you know other kind of elements of life and that is going to have an impact on the habits that you've worked to to sort of establish over the last few months and I think the the brilliant thing is it's really hard to to lose that complete understanding of the benefits of of those Mm. changes you know once you've seen those changes once you've felt them once you've experienced them uh, even in in a small way it's really hard to go back to pretending that they don't exist. So yeah. I think that's what I use as a tool when I when I find myself going through these seasons of like not being able to stick to every every positive habit change. Like I know the benefits of them and you use that as your motivation to make the difficult decisions sometimes or to set up the systems that support you in, you know, in your efforts to bring these back into your life. And I think that paired with as you said a really healthy dose of self-compassion and Mm -hmm. kindness and saying, yeah, I will, like I'll stuff up. I absolutely will. And that's okay. And not set yourself up for failure, but you set yourself up to understand that you're now negotiating a different landscape with these changes. And that's going to take some, some juggling and some, you know, tweaking, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I think the beauty of regressing if there's a beauty to regressing is that you never, you never go back to like the worst place. I generally no. find like once you've hit, you know, gotten to a place where it's so bad, you make, it, it makes you make significant changes, even though you will regress, you never go all the way back there. And then, so there's got to be some credit given to yourself in going, Hey, okay. Yes. I'm feeling like, you know, my personal thing is, is I let myself slip into overwhelm all the time and it's very tempting to beat myself up about that because it's like all I write about on my blog is how do you get yourself out of overwhelm Mm. and yet I still keep going there. But the fact is, you know, I've never gone back to that place where I was six, seven years ago where I was just in, you know, this deep, dark hole and didn't know how to get out of it. I've never gone anywhere near that that point again over the past six seven years since I kind of got back on the right side of the ledger and these days you know I nip overwhelm in the bud so much faster and the spaces between me getting overwhelmed are getting further and further away but the reality is I like doing stuff (laughs) Um, there's a lot of stuff that excites me and I love being involved in things and I love working with fun people so you know I will probably continue to get in that mode but each time I do arrest it a lot faster and each time I do get a little bit bit more discerning about what I am able to take on and 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 the reason why is because 
as you just say, like I've tasted the benefits of not being overwhelmed. So as soon it's kind of like I had all the way through school, I had terrible sinus problems. I had a permanently running nose and it was just like, I got so used to that. I just thought that's how life was like. And then finally someone told me one day, why don't you just get off dairy for like a week and just see if it makes a difference. And it made the most absurd difference (laughs) in the world. So every time I then go back, you know, I'll have like, I don't know, a piece of chocolate or a piece of cheese just because I'm like, I just really love dairy and I haven't had it for so long. I'll have it, but then I'll suffer the consequences and immediately the consequences are like, oh, yeah, not worth it. So, (laughs) you know, and it's like a day. Like I don't eat cheese or chocolate for a month and then go, oh, yeah, that's right. I I don't eat this stuff for a good reason. Like I eat it for a day and go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I don't have that stuff because – you know, the pain in my gut and the pain in my sinus is not worth it. So I think, well, yeah, once you have experienced those benefits and you know what it feels like to not feel a certain way, you do naturally just arrest it a lot faster. But yeah, yeah I do think, I do want to, I guess the key message I do want to get across is this just going to happen. You will, you will fall back into old patterns and you're just having, but the, the beauty is each time you do, you develop greater self-awareness, but also management strategies. You might go, okay, I may not be able to get back to that level of mindfulness and peace that I had like when I was on my three-month sabbatical and wasn't working, but I can certainly get back to somewhere that's realistic in the context of what my life looks like right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a really important thing is to not compare apples and oranges in that case mm. too you know I can say like, I was so relaxed when I was on holidays uh, <laughs> and now I'm back at work and I'm a stress head you know because they're not the same thing and it's it's a matter of of kind of also figuring out what it was about that period mm. that gave you the biggest benefit too and making a couple of those things your your baseline or your non-negotiables and then you've got your nice to haves so for me and I agree with you completely about the fact that I'm still going to stuff up, I'm still going to slip back into negative or old behaviours. And I think the acceptance of that is, is really important. Another thing that I've found really, really useful in helping me manage regressions, I do hate the word regression, but it's really, it's the only only appropriate word for what happens when we do fall back into all patterns of behaviour. But a favorite tool that I've got for managing those is having someone in your life who will call you on it. And so my partner is the person who does that for me, but he's, he has also learned over the years, there's no point just pointing something out to me or like going, Oh God, Kelly, you're overwhelmed again. I can't believe you fell in, you know, you're back there. You write about this on your blog all the time. Like he, he doesn't ever approach it in that way. He normally waits for me to be vaguing out or if if I complain about something I complain about being stressed or I've like I've got to do this and I've got to do that and then I've got to do that and he goes well maybe you've taken on a bit too much and mm. maybe one of those things needs to fall to the wayside so I just think it's really good it's almost like an accountability buddy for this kind of thing where they'll just yeah they'll just point out to you that yeah maybe I kind of call Ant like my handbrake <laughs> <laughs> in that he will yeah when I get a little bit too ahead of myself or when I go herring off on another you know, idea or something he never just flat out goes no but he gently applies the handbrake and goes maybe 
let's just slow down a little bit. Like, yes, I see where you want to go with that, but you don't have to get there today. Maybe you can get there next month. So, yeah, do you agree that is Ben your handbrake? Yeah, he is. He usually. Or are you, ben, <laughs> no, are you Ben's handbrake? No, no, definitely not. He's definitely, if we've got a handbrake in this relationship, it's Ben. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. He won't often kind of come out and say it, but he'll just sort of look at me and like, really? You know, really? Yeah, is this a thing um, that's that you're going what I mean. On? It's more the subtleties, yeah. isn't it? They never like, I think they've probably learned over the years that calling you on something straight up isn't necessarily going it's just going to do uh, lead to pushback really yeah. so <laughs> contrarian think, inside me is like oh really so you say that I shouldn't do this watch me yeah that undercover <laughs> rebel you've got in there I mean we all have it we've all got that in us where someone tells us we can't do something and we're like well now I'm just going to prove to you that I can but yeah having that person who will just yeah raise an eyebrow or just give you a look when you're talking about like yeah, oh, absolutely and then you go Oh yeah, okay. And quite often, like I mean, Aunt complains about this all the time. Quite often, it's not your partner that you'll actually listen to. So they might plant a seed or say something, <laughs> and then someone else says it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, you know what? You're totally right." And we like, like your partner's in the background, like banging their head against the wall because they've like been saying this for three months. But <laughs> I think you know it's important to have that person in your life who'll kind of plant that seed, and then also just. You know, it's kind of like that board of directors for yourself, like just that group of people that you can go to and be a sounding board. I mean, I use, you know, you as a sounding board. I use Carly, my Straight and Curly podcast co-host as a sounding board. Like quite often, like both you and I and Carly and I, before we start recording, we just do a bit of a dump. Yeah, we do, <laughs> a bit of a debrief. Our event. Yeah. And, you know, it's so those vents and brain dumps are so edifying because I always yeah, I always walk away from those conversations so much calmer but also just clearer and go oh yeah like that's right mm. maybe that thing I, that can wait or maybe here's me doing that thing that I always do so it's just yeah having those people that you know you're not like I'm not afraid to vent to you guys because I know you're not sitting there going oh god here she goes again like she's always always coming to me with her problems like you know we just vent and then we record and then we're done and it's great so yeah I think we all need those people in our lives whether it's people in a Facebook group or friends or a family member just someone who's going to listen without judgment basically like they're not you know they're not you're not talking to them going oh god they just think I'm an idiot and why am I even telling them this like exactly which yeah, which sort of mirrors that that compassion that we need to develop yes. for ourselves, particularly when we're trying to make big changes and maintain rather big changes, even in a, in the midst of of other sort of shifts. What I wanted to say as well is just having this this kind of non negotiable foundation. I think is yes. really important, particularly as you as as Rachel's sort of making changes again to the circumstances of her life. The everything that she's she's brought in may not fit right now because there'll be this period of of transition and I think that going into it understanding that and and accepting that is really important but also being intentional with the ones that are basically your non-negotiables of course non-negotiable doesn't mean never fail because again like we said there will be days that it just doesn't happen in the way that we'd hoped but your non-negotiables should be I think the foundation of this new set of behaviors or these new patterns 
And I think once you can kind of get those, those grooves to be fairly well worn, then you're in a really good place to continue to, to gradually add those positive behaviors in, in a way that works. And I think again, that those well-worn kind of grooves of pattern and behavior is that awareness that we were talking about. It is that understanding of benefit of not eating dairy It is, you know, my understanding of the benefit of meditating every day and what happens when I don't do it for a week. And I think all of those little awarenesses, those little realizations continue to gradually deepen those grooves. So well, yes, willpower is a part of it. I think it's definitely only a part of it. I don't, I don't think that it's, it's really a matter of kind of manhandling ourselves into those habits every day, but rather, you know, setting up systems to make it easier for us. Yes. And yeah. also just understanding that is just a gradual chipping away rather than a, I'm just, I'm just doing this now. But I will say that there is, there have been countless habits that I've tried to change that haven't stuck. And the like. The reality is because I didn't want them enough, you know, yes. and I do think that that's a big part of it too. You, you need to want it enough because like we've said, it's not easy making these changes stick, particularly when life gets complicated again or, you know, busy or whatever it may be. You really need to want it because otherwise you, you do drift back into the easiness of the old habits, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and, and kind of know why you want want to make the changes too. Yeah, well, I think the like a really important point that you made is the reason we slip back into old patterns is because they're easy. So how can we make these new patterns easy? And the fact is we're not going to be able to make them all easy all at once. So you kind of like, you know, start with them one by one and and making them easy is you know, an example of that is making it easy for other people in your life to support you in those things. So I think I might've given this as an example before, but a pattern that I've laid down and a habit that I've laid down is getting up every early, every morning to write and then exercise. And that's, you know, I'm, people think, oh, you must just, you must love mornings and jump out of bed with glee. And I'm like, don't <laughs> like my alarm goes off at 4.15 and I'm like, okay, I'm awake, but I'm not delighted. Um, <laughs> I would rather, <laughs> I would rather sleep until, you know, seven o'clock, but I don't. And, you know, I make getting up at 4.15 easy for myself by going to bed you know, getting into bed at 8.30 and reading for 45 minutes so I'm asleep by 9.15. So I make going to bed at 8.30 easy for myself by making sure that all the household chores and stuff are done before the kids go to bed so that when they do go to bed, Ant and I watch our one show and then, you know, and I'm so <laughs> dropping a Suits reference there, but it's not Suits right now. It's bloody Breaking Bad and we've got one season to go and that season is 16 episodes long and oh my God. But we're nearly there. two more weeks. Two more weeks, and I'll be I'll be done with Breaking Bad, and I'll be so happy. Oh God, <laughs> the God. things you do yeah, for I the people so, you love. <laughs> hey, I was so sad when Breaking Bad was finishing. But anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> do you know it got like in the last kind of three episodes of season four, it got watchable. So I was like, okay, at least it's like I'm va- vaguely engaged with this show now. So, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know, so I make it easy for myself to get up in the morning. But the other thing that I do is because I do that thing every. Every day I get up early every morning every single day 
Like I've made it easy for my family to know that that time for me is sacred and it's not really to be messed with. Like, okay, if you're dying, yep, come and see me in the study. But if you're not dying, you're not even meant to be awake before seven o'clock. So if you are, (laughs) you are in the living room watching TV. But it's just laying down these, these patterns of behavior that make it easy for the people around you to support you in it. But also, yeah, making it easy for yourself. If I'm watching three episodes of suits in a row at 8 30 at night i'm not making it easy for myself to get up at 4 yes. 15 in the morning okay and i just need to be you know and sometimes i'll make a very conscious choice that okay i am willing to sacrifice some resting time tomorrow so i can find out what happens <laughs> next but yeah thank god those days are behind me because that i really yeah i really did suffer when i was doing that but yeah anything that you can do that makes it easier to adopt this new pattern of behavior that you're trying to adopt do that thing but don't try to make everything easy all at once because that's again it's just asking too much of yourself yeah exactly i couldn't i couldn't agree more Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag Let It Be Pod. Or uh, head over to letitbe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.